Let's chat about how to get what you need for your home when you don't have a lot of cash or credit. You can do that at Aaron's. Rent to own appliances, furniture, and tech from top brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. But say you don't need it anymore, no problem. At Aaron's, you can return your product at any time or even upgrade it for something new. Life's always changing. With Aaron's, your stuff can change right along with it. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. See your local store for details. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The volume. In the NBA, the game can change in an instant, but no matter how the action unfolds, DraftKings Sportsbook has your back. This week, new customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets just for betting five bucks on basketball. Win or lose, you get an instant dub. They even have great same game parlays. So many different ways to bet the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code HOOPS. That's H-O-O-P-S. New customers can get 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on basketball. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code HOOPS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, must be 21 or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms. All right, welcome to Hoops and I here at The Volume. Happy Thursday, everybody, for the last time. I hope all of you guys have had a great day. We've done two additional videos today. Earlier today, we had Brendan Clean from Locked On Suns on the show, and we did a deep dive on the Phoenix Suns. You can find that video back there. We also did a breakdown of Pacers Bucks that you guys can find on the feed. In this video, we're just going to be talking about the Los Angeles Lakers behind just a phenomenal performance from LeBron James. 30 points on 12 shots. Four for four from three, eight assists, zero turnovers. As the Lakers go up by 40 plus, he sits the entire fourth quarter, 
dominant performance for the Lakers who are heading to meet the Pacers on Saturday in the NBA Cup Championship game. We're going to break it down. You guys know the drill. Before we get started, subscribe to our brand new YouTube channel. It would mean a lot to me if you guys would scroll down and hit that subscribe button. Don't forget about our podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts under hoops tonight. Follow me on Twitter at underscore Jason LT so you guys don't miss any show announcements or the film breakdowns that I do. And then also keep dropping mailbag questions in the YouTube comments so that we can keep hitting them throughout the season. And then last but not least, basketball is back. It's been a long off season, And if you're like me, you're psyched to be seeing all these pro and college games on TV. And while I love watching these games, there's nothing better than being there live. And the best way to do that is on GameTime, the fastest growing ticketing app in the United States. GameTime is the only ticketing app that gives you peace of mind with your purchase. They let you see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. And their all-in prices show your total upfront, so you always know you're getting a great deal. And it takes no time at all. You can buy tickets in seconds with two taps. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and redeem code HOOPS for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code HOOPS. That's H-O-O-P-S for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, let's talk some basketball. So, you know, sometimes there's this thing that can happen in a basketball game where one player reaches such an insanely high level that it actually saps the the other team of confidence. And it actually trickles down the roster and then everybody just starts playing poorly. It's not to say that there isn't a team effort, but sometimes there's just a way a, a player can carry himself to where it seems to sap the other team of belief. It's like snatching their heart, so to speak. Tonight, LeBron James snatched the heart of the New Orleans Pelicans early and often from the from that slip that he had down to Herb Jones, that post up where he drew the foul, just proving like, hey, your main guy, yeah, he's too small. He can't guard me, right? And then to, oh, you're going to drop back and give me this shot? Well, I've been working on it. I'm shooting over 40% on, this, uh, on it this year. I'm knocking it down. Oh, your best player, Zion Williamson? Yeah, I know how to read his game, and I don't trust his ability to knock down an outside shot. So I'm just going to beat him to spots right outside the restricted area and take charges and sap him of his confidence and completely remove him from the game. He dominated every single facet of this game. Honestly, like, 9 for 12 from the field, 4 for 4 from 3, 0 turnovers, 8 assists, 30 points, didn't even play the fourth quarter. It was it, it I'm I'm completely at a loss for words. I've been saying this all season long, but you know, I, I what have I what have I said? The Lakers got hit by a really unfortunate string of injuries, right? They they lost all their high motor athletes. Cam Reddish got hurt. Rui Hachimura got hurt. Jared Vanderbilt didn't start playing until a couple of games ago. The bottom fell out in all of their athleticism. And suddenly, it's like Austin and D'Lo look unathletic, right? You know, because they're not playing alongside other high-motor athletes. LeBron James and Anthony Davis, they can ebb and flow in their effort during the regular season. So when they wouldn't bring effort, they would look really, really bad. And I kept saying, like, these are really important archetypes that they need Give them time. Like LeBron, LeBron looks great. And what did I always say? Like LeBron looking great is actually more of a positive trend and is more meaningful than anything having to do with some of this other stuff that we've seen, right? Now, do the Lakers have some stuff to work out before the postseason in terms of that two and three spot? Yeah, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But within the regular season, I just wasn't concerned with the stuff that I was seeing earlier. This 
It's just natural ebbs and flows that you see during an NBA regular season that kind of tends to uh, like go around with your strength of schedule and with your injuries. The Lakers have played one of the toughest schedules in the league this year. They've played like 23 games, and 18 of them have been against teams that are 500 or better. And so when you look at the kind of ball that they were playing, some of the injuries that they had, they looked a little less capable than what they really are capable of doing, right? But the big silver lining under all of that was LeBron was playing some of the best basketball of this late phase of his career. And that matters more to this team's ultimate ceiling than anything else. I think he's playing at the highest level that he's played since the 2020 season when they won the title. In that season, if you now again, the scoring is down a little bit, right? He's at 25 points per game, but that has way more to do with just the way the team is organized from the standpoint of having two skill guards that are taking a lot of shots, right? They're also in a five-out system this year for the majority of their offensive possessions, which is more read and react and more shares the load among the rest of the players in the team. But he's actually shooting his highest true shooting percentage since 2014 when he was with the Miami Heat. He's shooting over 40% from three. His jump shot's worth like what, like, uh, like a point in, of one, uh, 1.1 points per shot, which is like over 20% higher than it was last year. He's just playing at a much, much higher level than he has in the last couple of seasons, which is a very, very encouraging note for what this Laker team can eventually achieve. I, I, like, here's the thing. If they keep racking up wins, which again, they're going to have to maintain this level of play. I, they do have an easier schedule down the stretch of the season. That will help. But if they can maintain this level of play, he has a chance to enter into the uh, into the MVP conversation with the job that he's doing on both ends of the floor. I wanted to hit a couple of specific things that he did in this game. I thought the job he did on Zion Williamson, removing him from the game, changed the dynamic early. Zion Williamson's dribble penetration and his ability to pass the basketball is one of the most important elements of that Pelicans offense and Zion is such a weird player type that there's only a handful of guys that really can defend him well but LeBron's one of them because he's not bigger and stronger than LeBron he had LeBron has the ability to anticipate his movements and to beat him to spots and that has gone a long way in this particular matchup and he's consistently looked pretty good guarding Zion on the ball the -the over-the-top shooting one of the things I've talked about with the Pelicans is they're an aggressive ball screen defense they bring Jonas Valanciunas up to the level in a lot of cases and they're really aggressive in help with Zion and Brandon Ingram on the backside and the Lakers have some issues with weak side shooting which we'll talk about because the shooting actually turned around for the Lakers in a big way in this game but one of the most important elements to this Laker offense succeeding against elite defenses is over-the-top shot making. Why does that matter? Because we talk about spacing all the time, right? And one of the best ways to beat spacing issues is to shoot over the top. Spacing primarily has to do with your ability to find driving lanes and to get into the rim. And so when teams pack the paint, you have to beat them with the jump shot, either at the ball or on the weak side with kickouts. And I thought his over-the-top shooting went a long way, right? Like the game kind of got off to a weird start. Lakers defense dominated early. Pelicans came back on some turnovers and the Lakers were doing a bad job of uh, uh, boxing out. The Pelicans were crashing a lot out of the corners and getting offensive rebound putbacks, right? LeBron hits a, a, a freaking heater in that second quarter and just builds that that uh, double-digit deficit back up. And as soon as it got there again, that was where the Lakers kind of regained their confidence and just ran away with the game from there. And then in that third quarter, I thought he did a really nice job. You know, we talk a lot about Tyrese Halliburton and playing with pace and playmaking. That was a lot of what LeBron was doing in that third quarter. Bringing the ball up with, like, real verve, like getting downhill, 
causing all the Pelicans to kind of coalesce around him, and he's dumping it off to D'Angelo Russell for threes, throwing kickout passes to Torian Prince in the corner. Every single time Anthony Davis breaks open at the rim, here's another lob. Oh, D'Lo makes a back cut off of a back screen. LeBron hits him off the uh, with a bounce pass. Like, he just was torching them by making plays, but he was uh, those passes become available as a product of his rim pressure and the amount of pace that he was playing with. Took care of the basketball, too. Obviously, the zero turnovers is important with that Laker defense that can struggle sometimes when their defense... They've actually been better in transition this year than they were last year, which is going to be vitally important for the Tyrese Halliburton matchup, obviously. But, I mean, here's the thing, guys. The Lakers are on the rise. Eighth best record in the league now, despite their injuries, despite the schedule. They've won three straight games against 500 or better teams. They have nine wins against 500 or better teams, which is now tied for the most in the NBA with the Boston Celtics. They have the third best defense in the league over the last 10 games. And this shooting progression thing is a real deal because do I think the Lakers are a good shooting team? Probably not. But I think they're an average shooting team. Austin Reeves is a good shooter. D'Angelo Russell is a good shooter. Torian Prince is a good shooter. LeBron James, for the majority of his career outside of last season in 2015, Good shooter, right? Like, they've got guys off the bench that can knock down shots. Gabe Vincent is a good shooter. Rui Hachimura is a good shooter. They have shot atrociously bad this season. And that's the thing. Like, I don't expect them to be one of the top 10 three-point shooting teams in the league, but they should be in the middle, right? And so th- what led a lot in this to this positive regression, in my opinion, is gaining confidence from their leader and then driving energy and confidence from their defense and that flowing into better shot quality and just overall, you know, like just the attitude and energy that they play with. And I think that's going to be important because you're going to see more and more teams do what the Phoenix Suns did in that second half, do what the Pelicans did tonight, which is pack the paint and force guys to knock down shots, which they did. Now, again, don't overreact to regular season trends in either direction. Am I here? Uh, what did I say before the season? I said I saw the Lakers as the fourth best championship contender behind the Nuggets, the Bucks, and the Celtics, right? I've swapped the Celtics and the Bucks because I think the Celtics are playing some better basketball, but I had the Lakers at number four, okay? Um, I'm not like, like after their bad start where, what were they five and seven at one point, if I remember correctly, or three and five, they, they were somewhere, somewhere below 500 there after like eight to 10 games or something like that. I said I don't uh, change my opinion about the Lakers at all. Still in the same spot. I don't think this team can win a title unless one of two things happens. Either Anthony Davis takes an offensive leap back to where he was in the bubble, which he's capable of doing, or they make a trade at the deadline. I believe they will make a trade, and I believe that trade will push them over the top into that conversation with the Nuggets and Celtics. But again, you don't overreact to regular season trends. There will be a stretch again soon where the Lakers have some guys banged up and they play some tough games on their schedule, and their effort goes down a little bit, and they'll drop three out of five games because that's just what happens in the NBA regular season. But this team was awesome after the deadline last year, was awesome in the postseason, and I do believe that they're capable of being awesome again this season. It just, if they're going to reach the Nuggets level, if they're going to reach the Celtics level, in my opinion, they're going to have to push their chips in and upgrade that D'Angelo Russell position into a really good two-way player. But that's, again, a problem for the deadline. If they have their health, especially with those athletes, if they have Rui Hachimura and Cam Reddish and Jared Vanderbilt available and healthy, they're going to win a lot of regular season games. And a lot of the issues they had early was a lack of athleticism, which stemmed from injuries to a core position group, which was under-discussed, in my opinion, in a lot of platforms. Um, I wanted to do one last shout-out for Anthony Davis because he gets a lot of criticism for his offensive inconsistency, which I think is legitimate. However... That was just a ridiculous defensive performance. I swear, just in the third quarter, he blew up like six plays at the rim. 
what looked like easy layups that he turned into misses. And like, again, his defensive consistency has to be factored in here. Like a, a night like what AD just had defensively is worth a 25, 30 point scoring night, you know? Like if you get 27 out of CJ McCollum, is that more impactful than what Anthony Davis did defensively tonight? Like that's up for debate. And again, those are just the kinds of things that we have to factor in when we're having these conversations. Like Anthony Davis, like come hell or high, uh, hell or high water, he's going to be impactful. There's a scale there. Some nights he's less so than others, but like when he's locked in defensively, it's one of the most impactful things that you'll see from a player in this league and his ability to um, uh, to anchor that Laker defense and on the glass. I'm not going to talk about the Pelicans tonight because it's just not the right night to talk about them. Uh, they like there's not really anything you can take away from that. They're six and four in their last ten games, but they're three and four in their last ten games against anybody that's not the Kings. They've had their number, but they've had some bad losses too. Like they lost to the Bulls. They're like. The, I, I want to do a deep dive on the Pelicans. I just want to wait a little bit until a different night. Tonight's not the night. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It is an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. CJ will bring his A-list comedian buddies to keep it light and fire off some hoops takes. Plus, John will be inviting current and former NBA players, friends, and teammates to join the show as well to give their unfiltered accounts of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Ever needed something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? Let's chat about how to get what you need when you need it. You can do that at errands. Yep, you can rent to own appliances like washers, dryers, or refrigerators, furniture for your living room or bedroom, even tech like computers and gaming systems. Plus, errands has great brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. And you can pay a little at a time until it's your forever. But here's the cool part. Say you're renting a 65-inch smart TV and decide you don't want it anymore. At Aaron's, you can return it at any time. Or maybe you want to downsize to a 55-inch or upgrade to an 86-inch. You can do that too. Return it, then take home something new. Life's always changing. With Aaron's, your stuff can change right along with it. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. So check out your nearest Aaron's store or visit Aaron's.com for more details. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. See your local store for details. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way. A brand new show from My Heart Podcast where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everybody, including sitting presidents. So join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before. Tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The simplest way to break down this particular game was that the Bucks just could not guard Tyrese Halliburton. No, no matter what they tried. Every time they tried low drop, he rose up into a pull-up three and he beat them with that. Every time they tried high drop, he consistently made that pocket pass to Miles Turner, who was amazing in this game catching and finishing at the rim. Also was amazing on the defensive end of the floor, protecting the rim. He hit some shots in, in pick-and-pop situations as well. Miles Turner was fantastic. And that, that to me, is like the one of the most fundamental pieces of beating that specific coverage. In the high drop, it's like a softer version of putting two on the ball. And so as that pocket pass is open, that player has to be able to score and make reads out of it. And Miles Turner was fantastic. But low drop, he beat him with the pull-up three. High drop, he beat him with the pocket pass. When they switched... He was able to score on Brooke Lopez. And then when they went to the zone, the Pacers did a good job of getting the ball to the middle of the floor. Bruce Brown did a really nice job making those little pop shots in there. He's been good at that shot since he was with the Nets. And that middle of the floor, not just the mid-range shot making, but having a player there that can make quick decisions is a fundamental part of scoring against a 2-3 zone. And, and the Pacers just executed extremely well against every single coverage the Bucks used. And it just came down to Tyrese Halliburton and the fact that the Bucks couldn't do anything with him. It was interesting too, like down the stretch, they go to the zone to just try to make somebody else beat them, right? But again, against a team with that much offensive skill, it's not easy to to get stops with the zone defense. And that's when we saw Bruce Brown get off. Literally, the, there were two random possessions in that zone stretch where they went to man. And on both of those possessions, Tyrese just beat him and they came up the high drop coverage with Brooke Lopez. He just beat him with that pocket pass to Miles Turner. And then it's like, then down the stretch, Miles uh, uh, Brooke Lopez just switches, right? And Tyrese just quickly just tells everybody go to their spot. They run two guys to the corner, two guys to the wing. Tyrese goes to the top of the key. Boom, boom. Hits him with a, a move to the right. Gets all the way to the rim. Gets into Brooke's body to protect the basketball and finishes on the right end of the rim. You guys might remember a play at the very beginning of the game where Brooke Lopez switched. He went to the left side. They cleared the side this time. They, they Everyone went, uh, went away to give him the entire side of the floor. Hit him with the same kind of dribble combination. Got all the way around him and finished finished on the right side of the rim. And then late, he uh, the, the final play, the dagger on that left wing, it was a high drop coverage possession, and he kind of pulled the ball out to the uh, further to the left, which caused Brooke to go with him. His on-the-ball defender basically peeled off, and that's when he hit that step back, which he's been doing a lot against bigs when they come out in that coverage, especially going to his left, especially on the left wing. He can get a lot of separation with that, and he handles the ball really well with his left hand, hits the step back three. And that really fundamentally is the problem. You can't run any coverage against him because he is a counter for all of it, right? If you run any sort of aggressive coverage, so like a blitz or a high, a high drop or a show or uh, a double team in any sort of switch situation, he's going to beat you with the pass. If you run a low drop, he's going to beat you with pull up a three-point shooting. He made two of them. You guys might remember the play where he was talking to Dame, saying, like, I can do that too, right? Like, that's what he did on those possessions. Basic lower drop coverage coming over the top of the screen, knocking down a pull-up three. When they switch, he can beat bigs on switches. He's been beating bigs on switches, like, damn near a point and a half per possession all season. He's just outrageously good at organized, modern NBA offense. And, like, still hasn't turned the ball over this week. He's confident and cocky and talking shit and, like, Guys, this is the this is you know sometimes in the NBA we see guys take a leap, right? You're like, oh, look at Austin Reeves. Like this was a guy who was undrafted, probably should have been an early second round pick, but certainly not any sort of lottery guy. 
holy shit, he's like a a really good NBA player, right? Or you're, you're like, it's like De'Aaron Fox, he's taking a leap this year. Like he's gone from like, you know, a lower level star to like one of those guys that's kind of like just below the superstar level, right? You know, like we see these rises that take place in the NBA. But every once in a while, we see an all-time great rising from the pack, right? We just recently saw this with Nikola Jokic and it's like, holy shit, nobody can guard this guy. And we are literally watching that with Tyrese Halliburton. This is the guard version of Nikola Jokic. Nobody can guard the guy. He's every single play type when you make him a score, he's scoring well over a point per possession. Every single play type when you make him a passer, he's passing to guys in good position. And like, like little things like Obi Toppin, limited player with the Knicks. But he's found a role on this team just by running his damn lane in transition. That ridiculous reverse lob that he caught from Tyrese Halliburton. If you watch... Isaiah Jackson has a nice contest of Dame at the rim, and you see Obi Toppin just start sprinting off the left side of the floor, just running as fast as he can, and Tyrese gets the ball. Every single time someone is open up the floor, he makes that kick-ahead pass, leads him perfectly towards the rim for the reverse dunk. This is the rise of an all-time great. That is what we are watching. It's like everyone's talking about the Steve Nash comparisons. It's like Steve Nash plus like real scoring aggression, more, you know, athleticism in terms of lateral quickness. He's got the 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 jump shooting is insane. Obviously Steve Nash was a great jump shooter as well, but it's like that but just stretched out into like more of a dynamic athletic player, right? It, it's like get on board guys. This is this is not just another hot streak. This is a guy that all of the best players in the NBA are struggling to guard, right? Now, is he going to light everybody on fire to the extent he did the Bucks? Probably not because the Bucks have some issues at the point of attack, which we'll talk, but the 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 meat and potatoes of what he's doing is replicable at all levels of the NBA. He even made some defensive plays in this game, which he's been a bad defensive player this season, but as a team, the Pacers are kind of rounding into form and that to me is the, is the key because outside of that third quarter run if you go back to the first half of this game and both halves of the Boston Celtics game they're playing good defense they're playing good defense and and I talked about in our Pacers deep dive last week I think it was after the heat game if I remember correctly I talked about how like they have the personnel to at least be okay because of all their speed and, and like they do have guys who can defend at the point of attack like Bruce Brown and Aaron Neesmith who's been amazing in these last two games and so, like, they've got guys who can take the top top end personnel. They have speed off the ball. Miles Turner can protect the rim. They are capable of being a better defensive team than they've shown to this point in the season. They've shown it this week, and it's led to wins, and now they have an opportunity to play for the NBA Cup on Saturday. Now, the offensive glass is still an issue. That was something that was an issue all game. And obviously, in the long run, that's going to be something they're going to have to, to address by just more wing, basically upgraded versions of Obi Toppin and Aaron Neesmith, right? But those are big picture conversations about the Indiana Pacers, right? Within the scope of this season, they can defend better than they have. And the offense is completely and utterly unguardable. And Tyrese Halliburton is playing like a superstar. And he is here to stay, guys. This is not a short-term thing. Jump on the bandwagon. This dude... He's on the Steph track. He's on the Jokic track. He is headed towards top-tier superstardom. That is what we are seeing. Just outplayed Jason Tatum, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Dame Lillard, all in this week in high-stakes games. I, it, it, I, and not to mention, he's got some of that Steph thing going on where like he's just incredibly fun to watch. Uh, like I said, I'll shout out a couple of other quick pacers. Miles Turner, like I said, amazing in this game, protecting the rim and working out of the role. Aaron Neesmith. 
His possessions on Chris Middleton, he just flat out erased him from the game. On Giannis, I thought he did a pretty good job. He's giving up a, a ton of physical advantage there, and Giannis got him a few times. Uh, but for the most part, picked up, uh, picked him up full court, applied ball pressure, disrupted his rhythm, got some stops. I thought he was really good. And then that bench group, that Isaiah Jackson with TJ McConnell and Ben Matherin, like that group is defending really well, and TJ McConnell's just organizing them and making good plays. And TJ McConnell is deceptively like like he's a guy that like a, a lot of people don't think of as a great athlete but he's super fast and like he can beat people off the dribble and and that to me is like the start of it right it's beating people off the dribble he's got a good little 10 foot drifting fadeaway and then he's a great passer and that just gives him the ability to organize that unit and then all of those guys are flying around on the defensive end of the floor this again I, I said after our last Pacers deep dive that right now they're just an exciting team but if they want to make some real noise they have to defend better than they have they have this week and suddenly they just beat the two best teams in the Eastern Conference and they're going to have a chance to play for the NBA Cup on Saturday. On the Bucks front, if it looked to you like the Bucks couldn't guard in transition, that's not just a Pacers issue. We, like we saw this all this game, not just on misses and steals, but made baskets. The Pacers are just running down the floor and getting wide open shots. They're not getting matched up. They're not sprinting back. Bad transition defense principles, right? Like Transition defense is simple. You sprint back, basket first, then you fan out. You match up with anybody in a transition play. You don't look for your man. You look for any man. When you settle, If you can get back in time and you have opportunities to switch back to your matchup, great. But in transition pushes, you have to just get matched up. You have to communicate. They're not very good at it. And by the way, Milwaukee allows opponents to play in transition on 18% of their possessions, which ranks dead last in the NBA. A significant issue in this game. And then the point of attack defense is something I've been I'm not the only guy, but everyone's been preaching about all season, which is like, can Dame and Malik Beasley defend well enough at the point of attack to give your defense a chance to be good enough to compete for a title? And the answer is no, to put it simply. I, I, I've said this about the Bucks and the Lakers all season, like upgrades at that point of attack position is what their season basically hinges on. And if you think about it, like against uh, uh, it, over the, the, the dregs of the regular season, you can be a good defense if you're good on two of the three levels. Now, what are the three levels of defense? Point of attack, ball screen defender, weak side defense, like rotations and help side, right? Those are the three layers. The Bucks are excellent at the rim in, in their pick and roll defense, and they're excellent in rotation and in help, right? So, And then the fourth level would be defensive rebounding, right? But that, I'm just talking about actually guarding the plays themselves. But defensive rebounding is an important element of that, right? But the Bucks are great on those two levels, but they're really weak at the point of attack. And that can give you a good defense, or at least a passable defense, over the course of the regular season. But against these types of teams, you have to be great at all three levels. And that's why like, like uh, um, it'll be really interesting to see who wins this Lakers-Pelicans game, because the the Pelicans are excellent at the point of attack, excellent in help, but bad in uh, in terms of their rim protection and ball screen defense because of Jonas Valanciunas, right? The Lakers are, are have players for all three levels now that Jared Vanderbilt is healthy. Like You're going to see Jared Vanderbilt on Tyrese Halliburton. They're good in help. They're good at the rim. They've been one of the best defenses over the last month in the league. I, I, I have to look, but last time I checked, they were like third in the league over the last 10, 15 games. So the, the Lakers are going to be an interesting a challenge for Tyrese, but... We'll see when we get there, but you, to have any hope of guarding Tyrese Halliburton, you have to be good at the point of attack, you have to be good in your ball screen defense, and you have to be good in help. And I thought that you just saw a, a pretty clear example of the fact that the Bucks could not defend at the point of attack, Tyrese Halliburton was getting wherever he wanted, and that was where everything broke down for this team. And then lastly, on the Bucks front, like, Dame talked about this, he was like, hey, we're 15-6, and six, but like, I haven't even really got going yet, I don't even have my three-point shot yet, like... 
I, like th- this is going to get crazy. And like, I tend to agree in the sense that like Dame has started to shoot a little better as of late. We're starting to see more flurries like that flurry he had to start the second half. But in the big picture, he just hasn't been good enough. And this team will not be a championship contender unless Dame can get back to where he was last season. That is an absolute prerequisite. Now, I still believe he will do so, but we're now over a fourth of the way through the season and he's still not to that level. And so the onus is on Dame to figure his stuff out there because Giannis is Giannis is having the best season he's had since his title year. Giannis is incredible. So Dame's got to meet him at least near that level for this team to get where they want to go. All right, guys, that is all I have for this video. I will be back tomorrow with the Nerd Sesh, guys. We're going to bounce around the league and hit a bunch of topics. I will see you guys then. As always, I appreciate your support. See you tomorrow. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man, who was called Mal Evans, who was on roadie, and uh, I was coming back on the plane, and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Salt and pepper? Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cameron-Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102, if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.